are the mystic We 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 are the mystic What would an animals episode be without (laughs) a discussion about cats? Yes. And, you know, as we were saying, cats have enjoyed a certain association with the mystical. uh, And we see this in a lot of news stories about them, you know, returning home after these, you know, long forays away from their homes and winding up in strange geographical locations and how they're able to just kind of intuitively know their way back. Um, there were news stories about um, a cat who uh, lived in a nursing home and would visit the elderly residents uh, who were about to die and um, acted kind of like a psychopomp, you know, in, in that regard. And there are also innumerable stories from cat owners and just people observing cats, which seem to indicate this kind of mystical association. The whole thing about cats having nine lives and um, black cats being seen as bad luck, which is a horrible superstition we should do away with. And um, across the pond in the UK, it's actually white cats that are bad luck and wow. black cats are good luck. But we that. all know that the reality is all cats are good luck. <laughs> Which we will get into as Yeah, well. and uh, um, I think black cats are known to be the friendliest out of all of the colors of cats, if if that's correct I at believe all. So. I've read it before. Every but... black cat I've had, and I've had several growing up, you know, my mom used to rescue cats, and so we always had like nine cats uh, yeah, at least nine, and then when one would would die, then another one would come around, and um, and I remember them all. They all had their own unique personalities. They were all very special to me in their own ways. But yeah, the black uh, ones tended to be the friendlier uh, kitty cats, and uh, they're just so sweet. You know, they're all sweet, but especially the black cats. Um, very sweet and it's uh just horrifying you know that people have let superstition really um that's when woo goes wrong yes that's what we we say when woo goes wrong and it leads you down this dark path where people are like you know mistreating black cats on halloween and stuff like that and it's just completely ridiculous and um if i ever catch any of you doing it you better watch out 
because I, I've got some bad luck for you. It's meeting me if you're hurting a cat, okay? All right, now let's get into it. Uh, aside from that, the other thing that we say about cats a lot is that, um, and I, I think maybe with dogs also, but I definitely see a lot of people saying this about cats, but you know, is my cat seeing spirits or demons mm. because they're freaking out? Um, and just seemingly looking at like nothing, like at uh, the wall or at a, a space on the floor. And some of that is due to like what you were saying before about um, dogs being able to sense things and exhibit these acute powers of uh, observation, smells and sights and sounds. So a lot of articles that I read about that were saying that the cats aren't actually seeing something, they're hearing something. Because they can hear like five times as five times more uh, wavelengths or sonar frequencies, whatever you want to call them, and uh, than, than humans can. So they can hear things that we cannot. And uh, oftentimes they're probably hearing things and that's what's making them tilt their head. But, you know, you could argue that in a quiet room or in a quiet house and a seemingly quiet place where there really isn't anything going on and your cat is still doing that, that they are doing it on purpose to try to trick you into thinking <laughs> that you've lost your mind or that you are in fact being assaulted by a demon Just for and fun. that a demon is in the house because cats are very manipulative yes so <laughs> <laughs> and i mean that uh you know jokingly but i do believe that cats can see things and hear things i don't really think that we need to mince the words about oh whether they're seeing them or hearing them they're definitely sensing something that we are not which could very well be some sort of a spirit or entity. You yeah. know, I, I definitely think that they pick up on energy um, mm -hmm. very easily. And, you know, I've had cats that have bitten people who got too close to me and then come to find out a few months later, you know, something happened and we had a falling out or what have you. So I, I definitely think they detect vibes, you know. But so let's get into a little bit of the folklore around cats uh, and there is quite a bit so as I said they've always enjoyed an association with the mystical um, and they I say enjoy but sometimes they suffer by it because mm. unfortunately you know in medieval times if a young woman owned a cat she was undoubtedly a witch and the cat was her familiar uh, familiar for those of you who don't know is a witch's attendant given to her by the devil um, but conversely, in ancient Egypt, uh, cats were revered. Uh, Bestet, the goddess with the head of a black cat, was associated with positive things. The home, protection, fertility, um, good things. Because cats handled the pests uh, that roamed the land and got to the crops and things. So when the cats were doing their job and killing all of the uh, mice and rats and things, uh, they were really appreciated. And um, they'd be buried with their masters and to harm a cat was punishable by death, you know? And uh, Bastet also had a darker counterpart uh, known as Sekhmet, uh, who was the lion-headed goddess. She held dominion over war, disease, and healing. 
so uh, you know there was a little bit of of uh, some bite to her, but she always also was invoked for uh, healing said ailments. So I think that that really goes into kind of the duplicitous nature of of the feline mm. uh, psychology. There is kind of this like. Uh, for lack of a better way of putting a cat and mouse type of approach where even if you are a, a pet parent to a cat and you're petting your cat, sometimes, you know, <laughs> they'll get overstimulated or they'll just yeah. do it. You know, they could act like they want you to pet them and then all of a sudden they'll like whack you right across the mouth yeah. and then they'll like sink their teeth into you. And then like five seconds yeah. later, they'll be all lovey-dovey again. So this is what we're dealing with. My, my um, beanie cat was like that. I called her my little alligator, you know? Oh, she was my bit. affectionate little alligator. <laughs> and I think, I actually think about that a lot because um, cats have less, I think it's like the area of the frontal lobe that controls impulses. They have like a smaller mm. area in terms of like impulse control because it doesn't really behoove a predator to like have impulse control really that of that much course, and so yeah. if you do overstimulate them they honestly they honestly can't help it i mean like the fact yeah. that they're not just like shredding your <laughs> clothing or like ripping your face off whenever they feel like mm -hmm. it is like testament to the fact that Cats, although they may appear aloof, are capable, fully capable of loving the people that they mm -hmm. live with, and they certainly do love you. You know, they're not poking yeah. you in the eye. That's testament to the fact and that they could. Yeah. They're trying they really hard moment. at all times not to do things like that, just purely because they love you. That is so sweet and, yeah. and nice to hear, isn't it? Yes. So some more cultures that cats are considered to be uh, mystical creatures in um, always kind of talk about the eyes, those beautiful cat eyes uh, and really how they're able to see things that uh, others can't, how they can see spirits. There's a Chinese uh, legend that says you can tell the time of day by looking into a cat's eyes. Wow. Um, that, you know, it's a pool of blackness with a little rim of gold in the morning. And then by midday, it's a black slit in a large disc of gold. And then by nighttime, again, it's the big black dilated pupil and the little sliver of gold. And so that's oh. how you would always be able to tell. I've never what time heard of, of day that is. before. I, I hadn't either. I do know I that like, if. Oh. <laughs> I do know that if it's a black pool with a little rim of gold, then you better watch your fingers. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure. They're, they're gearing up. That's... They're gearing up to do some nasties to you. That's yeah. uh... Or something behind you. But Zoomy they're, mode. They're going to do something nasty and you better get out of their way. <laughs> Zoomy mode has been activated. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that tail is going to be wagging. That butt is going to be swiveling back and forth and they're going to pounce. <laughs> but um, in the Norwegian forest cat is a very large, fluffy, beautiful little cat. And um, in the Scandinavian Norse cultures, these were the cats that uh, pulled the love goddess Freya's chariot. And she Aww. wasn't just the goddess of love. She was goddess of magic, healing, all of that. 
Um, so she was a pretty cool goddess. And of course, she had a chariot pulled by these large cats, which that's really the dream. Um, then we go uh, a little bit south to uh, the UK and Celtic lore, and we've got the cat sith, or as it's pronounced, caught she, uh, with the S-I-D-H-E, like with the banshee, you know, type thing there. Um, Celtic is a very strange language yes. for me. <laughs> <laughs> very difficult to suss out. Um, but these were Celtic fairies or witches that transformed they had the ability to transform into a cat nine times throughout their lives. Um, and the cat was usually black with a white patch of fur on the chest. People mistrusted them, thinking they were out to steal the souls of the dead. So whenever one would come around, they would distract them with different toys, catnip, and things like that. And on Samhain, leaving a saucer of milk outside would procure the Kotshi's blessing. But not doing so would result in utterly dried up cows. <laughs> so cute. Yes. So, um, yeah, it seems like no matter the culture, they were always a force to be reckoned with. But my favorite legend, which I uh, discovered about with the with the cat eye thing and you know, telling what time of day it is, is, um, again, a Chinese legend. Cats were originally the ones appointed by the gods to rule over the world and oversee all other creatures. So they were given the power of speech in order to talk with the creator gods and give instructions to all the other creatures who shared the world. The cat goddess, Li Shou, was chosen to represent them. And for a long time, everything was going well until they just got bored. <laughs> <laughs> the creator god saw oh, no. this and they came and they asked the cat goddess whether they were doing anything to ensure the smooth running of the world to which she replied running a world is not of great interest to us we are content to roll on the grass and chase butterflies when the mood takes us mostly we let the world run itself so that we can enjoy the simple pleasures of warm sunshine and fresh scented air the gods asked the cats to be more diligent in the running of the newly made world, and the cats promised to pay a little more attention to their task. So sometime later, the gods came back, and they found the cats sleeping under cherry trees or playing with falling cherry blossoms. And once again, they asked Li Shou, the cat goddess, and she replied, Running a world is, to be honest, a rather boring task. It is much more fun to sleep comfortably under cherry trees and frolic among the blossoms. However, we will try to pay more attention to the business of being in charge of the world. <laughs> and the gods were satisfied, uh, and they went away full of hope that the cats would pay closer attention to their job. But unfortunately, <laughs> oh, no. the third and final time the gods came on their next visit, they found the cats chasing floating thistle down in the late summer sunshine. And they asked Lee Show again, what the hell? <laughs> and she said, well, to be perfectly honest, we've realized that we really don't want the bother of running a world. 
We've noticed that one of your creatures shows much more promise in this respect, so perhaps you could give the task of running a world to them so that we can spend our time enjoying the pleasures this world has to offer. So the gods reluctantly agreed, and they revoked the gift of speech from cats uh, and gave it instead to the creature that the cat was talking about, uh, humans, human beings. So human beings would be endowed with speech, and clearly we've been doing a great job running the world. (laughs) (laughs) While the cat would be able to enjoy the delights the world had to offer sunshine, scents, textures, and things to chase or play with. But the gods never forgot that the cat was their first chosen one to run the world and made them the timekeepers so that humans could always tell the time of day by looking into a cat's eye. And not only that, but the purring of the cat is the sound of the machinery moving the world around the heavens. And should the cat cease to purr, the world would stand still in the sky and the seasons and all of time would come to an end. So, who do we have to thank for the world being the way that it is? Turning. <laughs> turning and... Why uh, does know, the world still... keep on turning? It's cats. <laughs> because cats. It's cats. It's always cats. But of course, they're so smart. They didn't want the full-time job. They just kind of, you know... Wanted a floating position. Yeah. I, which, I mean, honestly, that's the best way to I go. I can't blame them for that. Mm-mm. Yes. Um, so, An amazing uh, cat mythology. I loved it! I thought it was yeah. amazing! I had never, ever heard that. But uh, it makes so much sense. And unfortunately, cats always seem to be kind of uh, given a reputation as being lazy. And again, with the... Uh, you know, the Chinese Zodiac, they were supposed to be there, included, and unfortunately, they made it in 13th place, so they did not get a slot because they were best friends with the rat, who is, I believe, the first sign of the Chinese Zodiac because he cheated his way there. And the cat was notorious for being an oversleeper. Hey, who isn't? Um, And so they asked the rat if please wake them up in time to go meet the emperor and secure a spot you know on the zodiac calendar and the rat said okay but the rat was too fixated on himself and just let the cat oversleep and so by the cat by the time the cat made it uh it was too late and uh the cat did not get a spot but in the vietnamese uh lunar calendar the cat does replace the sign of the rabbit so it looks like an The Vietnamese cats were a little bit swifter and were able to make it. Uh, Or maybe they just killed the rabbit. You never know with cats. That's the thing. (laughs) They ate the rabbit. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute. Wasn't that the rabbit slot? Nope. I've always been here. It's always been me. (laughs) Meow. (laughs) um, I mean, hop, hop, hop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hop, hop. (laughs) <laughs> I like carrots. <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. So, as you can see, Asian cultures... Well, every culture has really had, you know, quite a wealth of cat lore. Uh, but Japan actually has the bulk of the woo that I'm going to be delving into. And we've touched on yokai when we talked about the Amabie way back in episode one. Uh, so, cats 
have been seen. There are so many different types of cat yokai. And these are essentially, you know, monsters, demons, whatever you want to call them. But um, the cat subtype of yokai is always known as a henge yokai or a shapeshifter. And anyone who has witnessed them transform into these huge balls of fur, take the shape of a cardboard box that they can barely fit into, uh, <laughs> or seen them hiss, which is actually them emulating snakes, or even cry for food, which is apparently them emulating babies, or chirping at birds to try to get them to come into their fatal caresses. Uh, you can tell that cats are masters of mimicry. They aren't born with this power, but according to the Japanese, or they gain it after living unnaturally long lives. Um, after which they become immortal. So the first yokai is the Yamaneko, who was actually not technically a yokai, but more of a cryptid type figure, uh, was said to be as big as a cougar with striped fur like a tiger's. And a uh, cousin of the Yamaneko, the Mikaneko, was the three-colored furry beast, which is now what Japanese call calicos. And the thing with these two, uh, cryptid slash yokais, are nearby tigers might have made it out of their uh, natural habitat and might have been spotted in mountainous regions where they weren't usually spotted. Either these were pets that had gotten loose, um, but the consensus has been that it was probably a wild tiger spotting that um, became the basis for the Yamaneko and the Mikaneko. So, as far as the other yokai are concerned, the most popular is known as the Bakeneko. And these are the most common types of supernatural cats in Japan. Uh, Bakaneko is actually used as a sort of catch-all term for cat yokai, but Kaibio is actually more accurate. And Kaibio is also the title of the book that I used to research this subject. Uh, it's an amazing resource and I highly recommend it. It's called Kaibio, The Supernatural Cats of Japan by Zach Davison. That's Davison, two S's, no D. Now, Bakaneko are thought to be able to, as we said, cat yokai are seen as shapeshifters. So Bakaneko are thought to be able to take human form at will to blend in seamlessly with society. In art, they were usually depicted as dancing with towels on their heads as a sort of like witch hat, <laughs> which um, people thought they used to activate their magical powers, which is just amazing. Um, so I'm it was usually thought Bakaneko. <laughs> <laughs> Just put a towel on your head, start dancing. You thought you were at the beauty the salon, <laughs> <laughs> but you were actually involved in a very, very dark ritual. ritual. <laughs> now, although Bakaneko were thought to become that way by surpassing the typical cat lifespan of uh, 14 to 18 years. Uh, it could also result from a kitty drinking the blood of a murder victim, taking on Whoa. the deceased's look, and carrying out their vengeance. A perfect Yikes. murder. 
(laughs) And a lot of stories were uh, written um, with that kind of theme in mind, um, where the Bakaneko and Cat Yokai became these figures of retribution. Um, You know, they were privy to the secrets that were going on and all of the shadows which they would stalk. They would see dirty dealings and then they would end up kind of, you know, avenging their masters. So people think that Bakaneko is translated in English as ghost cat, but the more accurate translation is actually transforming cat. And um, <laughs> the funny story, which Mr. Davison discusses about how Bakaneko probably came to be in the collective imagination of the Japanese uh, people of the time is that uh, there was a bit of a famine. So they didn't have a lot in terms of like meat and fish and things like that. And so a lot of the cats were protein starved. So they were really craving like a hint of fish or something like that instead of the rice and the vegetables that the people were subsisting on, which cats can't really make any use out of. So oil lamps were what was, uh, you know, the norm in most houses um, in order to provide illumination. And these were mostly fueled by fish oil. So the cats would often stand on their hind legs and on their tippy toes, making themselves as tall as possible to reach the oil, lick it out of the dish, but simultaneously cast a huge shadow of this large, furry, horned beast um, on the shoji screen background. So people would see this <laughs> beastly silhouette and together with their predilection for meowing strange sounds in the middle of the night at ungodly hours, uh, it made imaginations run wild. And you have to figure, this was in the Edo period, so this was a long, long, long time ago before we had internet, before we had cat memes, before we had phones and games and all this. So people had to be creative with where they got their fun and their giggles. And um, so I guess that's kind of what contributed to the Bakaneko becoming such a staple of Japanese culture. The next kind of cat yokai is called the Nekomata. And the Nekomata is actually, um, could be translated to mean forked cat, uh, as in their tail becomes forked. After they've lived a longer lifespan than usual, their tail would split into two and they would dramatically grow in size and begin to walk on their hind legs, and then they would terrorize people in the mountains. And some legends stated that they would eat you whole because they were just that big. The Nekomata would sometimes seduce passersby in the guise of a beautiful woman before unleashing their feline side and then, you know, having a nice, a nice dinner. Um, they were originally... From China, the earliest mention of the Nekomata um, or a Nekomata-like being uh, is from Chinese stories um, and just happened to make its way to Japan. The third type is called the Kasha, not to be confused with the uh, popular brand of fiber-rich cereal. Mm, Not the same thing. Uh, Yeah, this Kasha began not even as a cat-related thing, but as a flaming cart that arrived from storm clouds to usher a dead person to the afterlife. But 
Illustrator Toriyama Sekien made a cat version in 1776, which henceforth became the. The folklore began with legend stating that if a cat was left too long alone with a corpse, which is very similar to the UK, the Celtic caught she legend, if this cat was left too long alone with a corpse, it would make it dance like a puppet with its magical powers before dragging it to the afterlife. I don't know why the cat did that. I mean, there's really <laughs> no reason to make the dead person dance like that, other than the cat was just a twisted son of a bitch. Ah. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, And、uh, you know, then they drag the dead person to the afterlife, and then the cat returns、um, as a kasha. You know, and this kasha is this aged cat surrounded by flames that will take you to the underworld. Now, a lot of people in the book did say that this may have arisen from the very real phenomenon known as postmortem predation. Whereby pets will eat their owners when they've died, and they don't have anything else to eat. Yeah. So dogs do it too, but you know,、uh, it the stigma has always been with the you know crazy cat lady spinster who's all alone, and then the cat will eat her eyeballs after she dies. That's always been like the the narrative.、Um, but I mean, they've got to eat something. So I, I mean, you can't really blame them for that. But of course, cat stigma. Uh, it、I、was very alive and well. I think it also, you know, is just、uh, there's like an instinctual like、um, compulsion that like、mm-hmm. happens in animals because I actually had a a pair of rats and my、mm-hmm. one rat passed away in his sleep, so he was just like curled up sleeping, and my other rat. Did eat like part of his face, and they were、Ugh. they were happy, like plump. They had a food、mm-hmm. bowl filled, you know, like overflowing snacks and stuff. That it was just.、Um, I think he was. I might edit this out. <laughs> I think he was no, like I mean- he started out. This is my assumption. I wasn't home for a few hours, and this happened while I wasn't there. And I think he、mm. probably started out, you know, checking on his friend, and then he like started licking his friend, and I mean, things happen, you know. Like I, I think things to you. I think instinct、yeah. takes over, and you know, maybe there's some kind of reason to bite your friend to see if that will. Jar well, them awake, and then that kind of like predatory instinct that we were mentioning before、yeah. with cats, where they do have poor impulse control, and I think that goes for a lot of animals. I think that they have like a primal thing that kind of surpasses like the whole, you know, this is my friend. I would never eat them. And also, but then like at the time, it's like, oh, he's dead. And、I、also, have to eat this before somebody else comes. In nature, you know, nothing goes to waste. We have our right. Our, you know, human formalities and things.、Um, mm-hmm. I think we're very detached from the natural order of things and the way that life happens in nature, which is that everything eats other things and everything gets recycled back into the ecosystem in that way. And so, 
in the animal world, things that we think are disgusting, like when my dog needs to like lick pee that he finds <laughs> because mm-hmm. he wants like whatever kind of information that gives him about the pee. I to me that's horrifying, but to him that's you know information. That's just going to waste. Yeah. That's surfing the net. Yeah, doing your research. It's doggy email. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um so yeah, that was it for the Kasha and then uh oh, okay. This one's fun. This was the last one um of the cat yokai. The Gotoku Neko or a trivet cut. I didn't know what a trivet was, but um it's those little metal like discs that you lay down on the table and you put something hot over it like i didn't know it even had a name (laughs) so i learned a lot today but um the trivet cat was known for yep you guessed it committing arson (laughs) so um, oh let me interject really quickly i was just watching the secret life of pets 2 with my niece And they have a scene where there's two kittens and a cat carrier and they just like, you know, are like act looking all cute and innocent. And then they like turn and like break the fourth <laughs> wall and they, you know, their eyes get all like pinpointed and they're like, we start fires. And I wonder if it's like from that folklore. <laughs> it's so, it could be. I feel like when we're planning an episode, I always have a million of those like synchronous strange things happen. Yes. Me too. It's really yeah. strange. Sorry to oh, interrupt. So, no, 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 no problem. So now the trivet cat, the Gotoku Neko, would wear these trivets on their heads. And um, back in feudal Japan, the trivets were put down so that you would not char the tatami mat with your tea kettle or any hot pans or uh, pots that you might have. So um, these Gotoku Neko would wear the trivets on their heads. And for whatever reason, one of their favorite hobbies would be to sit in front of the family hearth and blow through this bamboo tube um, enough wind at the fire to stoke the flames into these wild conflagrations. And, you know, Mr. Davison never really specified why they did that, but I'm venturing a guess and saying that they were probably just bored. (laughs) It was something to do. Or they were punishing someone for something. Um, Because cats do have that air as well. Um, You know, so it could have been a retribution thing, or it was probably just because they could. (laughs) Who knows? Uh, So that is it for my cat, Yokai. Oh, and the one other uh, portion that um, he did go into was the origin of the Maneki Neko, or the beckoning cat, which you see in a lot of Chinese restaurants. Um, you see in a lot of, uh, you know, you see them everywhere, really. Um, oh, if you go to, like, the, Chinatown, like, a lot of Asian marks. Yeah, the waving cat. And um, actually, uh, in Asian cultures, when you beckon, uh, that's actually... Um, more of the the wave is so when you're <laughs> when you're like beckoning someone in western culture and you're waving at them right you kind of like put your hand up all five fingers out and you're waving back and forth or you wave like up and down whatever 
Um, in Asian cultures, they put the wrist down and they move the fingers inward. So as if you're saying like, come here, so come here. So you're like grasping um, towards the person. But you're grasping, right, yeah. So that's essentially what the Maneki Neko are doing. And um, originally, you know, it was uh, essentially a story of this old woman who was impoverished. She lived alone with her cat. And it's always an old woman <laughs> alone with her cat, right? Across the world. That's how the legends begin. But um, she eventually had a vision and the cat was telling her to create a clay statue of him waving and that it would increase, you know, her revenue. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and... Um, so they then became embroiled in all of this folklore afterwards. Um, and you would have stories where the cat, the statue of a cat would be beckoning someone. And then that person would move in a little closer to see, you know, wh what was that? Why is that cat? What, what the heck? And then, uh-oh, what's that? A bolt of lightning <laughs> just struck where you were standing. So that cat saved your life. Um, and of course, now it's just used to beckon good luck, customers, more business, and um, to draw that sort of thing to your your place of business. Um, but yeah, it's just so funny to me that uh, throughout all of these cultures and all of these stories, uh, we see the cat as a figure very rooted in mysticism, in luck, in fortune, in in retribution, in arson, in all of these exciting things. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just think that the cat, I mean, as someone who is very, very closely attuned to uh, feline energy, having been around cats all my life and, you know, being fervently devoted to my cats, I just, I, I, I love them. And I love them so much more after hearing these wonderful stories about them. For sure. I actually have one little thing to add. Um, yeah, You were mentioning before the folkloric adage that cats have nine lives. And there's also mm -hmm. an old veterinary legend that cats can reassemble their bones if placed in a room with all of their parts available, which is a, an insane thing. Um, oh my gosh. But these mythological attributes have some basis in truth because cats have a secret healing power when they purr, which helps them to recover from injuries. Purring releases yeah. endorphins, lower stress hormones, and the frequencies at which cats purr have been shown in studies to aid in healing broken bones, in mending joint and tendons, and increasing bone density, and reducing pain, and reducing inflammation, and speeding up wound healing. And so... Isn't that wild? It's actually, I, I think, that. extremely smart to become an old mm -hmm. crazy cat lady, because you're mm. literally protecting yourself from complications yeah. from stuff like osteoporosis and... um you know, also pets in general have the ability to help lower our blood pressure due to mm -hmm. oxytocin release and things like that. And so 
if you are of <laughs> an old lady in a house full of cats, then you are better guarded against osteoporosis mm -hmm. and hypertension than someone who, you know, avoids having an entourage of 18 cats. Like some Ugh. kind of fool. Yeah, like yeah, some really. fool. Get a clue. <laughs> <laughs> some catless fool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we should also talk about ghost cats because I think that all of us mm. have experiences mm. with ghost cats. For sure. And yeah. I Oh. 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 <laughs> Do you want to go first? Uh well, okay. Um I think that I just wanted to say um cats in my experience have been the animal that I have most seen or heard in spirit form. I really have not seen other animal ghosts, but I have on numerous occasions seen, especially my, uh, my cat Bean, who died in 2019, kind of suddenly from, I think, a heart attack or something while I wasn't home. I have seen her numerous times climbing onto my bed like I've I've gotten into bed and then I've seen her you know just like a faint outline of her climbing up the bed to nestle next to me in bed which is like really mm. sweet but very few animals um, in my life have like come back to the extent that cats have in my experiences like I've also heard my cats I have <laughs> my cat Elmo who lived to be about 17 he used to scream at the top of his lungs in his old age like it was just mm -hmm. one of his funny quirks was like especially like standing in a doorway or something and just yelling until I came over to <laughs> check on him or whatever and then he would just like look up at me and be like Bruh. Like, <laughs> like I'm screaming, and then it's acknowledged, and he's like, "Yep, everything's fine. I was just screaming bloody murder for fun." Um, <laughs> and I've heard him before. Uh, um, after he passed away, I heard him a few times, and I was like, "Elmo, like, <laughs> st just coming back for a, a quick scream, and then <laughs> take it off again." Um, yeah, so I think cats, there's, there's some validity in my experience to the notion that cats have a real presence in the afterlife and <laughs> maybe seem to be able to traverse different realms with a little bit more ease than other kinds of creatures because it seems as though they have the energy at their disposal to come back and visit and keep an eye on you. And I recently, in the last couple of days leading up to this recording, I've been seeing posts in my Facebook feed from a woman that I know 
who had her beloved 16-year-old cat named Binky pass away recently. And she's been sharing on mm. Facebook like all these updates about Binky communicating with her from beyond the grave. In one, she said that she hadn't been able to track down one of his favorite toys the whole morning after he died. And then after looking around everywhere, including the bedroom, she came back to the bedroom later to plug her phone charger in, and his favorite glitterfish toy that she'd been looking for was sitting right on top of her side of the bed. Oh. In another one, she explained that Binky was kind of a classroom mascot where she worked as a teacher and that she had like used him to help teach her students a particular subject. And she had a student unfortunately pass away a few years ago. And recently, since her cat's death, that student's Snapchat popped up on her Apple Watch, which she said that she takes as a sign that Binky wants her to know that he's in good company on the other side and that he's, you know, making alliances, so to speak, which is, I, I thought those stories that were so, so sweet. sweet. Yes. Yeah. Oh. I love that you said he's making alliances I mean, for the upright <laughs> battle. That's what, I think of it kind of like that because um, I feel like we have, you know, we have like a set of like guides and, you know, oh, for sure. um, mm-hmm. people and also animals and, you know, like sacred bonds that we've had, um, which... Mm-hmm. I I have personally experienced things that have made me feel like my relatives who passed away were trying to let me know that they had joined up, you know, that they that they had mm-hmm. reached a common place together. Yeah. And I that kind of stuff is so meaningful. But Wisteria, I know that you have ghost cat experiences. I do. Yeah, um I may have mentioned this in our Salwin ghost storytelling marathon episode where I had a guy I was dating at the time not believe me that our house was haunted and uh, this ghost creepy Carl like startled him awake at some point uh, to tell him what's what. And he mentioned that while he was like fleeing the room in terror, LOL, uh, <laughs> a black cat... <laughs> A uh, black cat, like, wove in between his, like, legs as he's, like, trying to get out of the room. And I had a um, a black cat as a pet, Doodle. So maybe Doodle and Creepy Carl, like, are hanging out at my parents' house, keeping <laughs> each other company. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but more recently, in the, like, very old house that my husband and I just bought, like, they claim it was built in the 1900s, but, like, there's two walls that are, like, original log cabin, and the foundation, for sure, is, like, from the 1800s. But anywho, we have these, like, really deep windowsills that you can only find in very old homes. I don't know why they stopped doing that with houses, because it's amazing for plants and things. Yeah. And also cats. It's amazing for cats, 
to sit on giant windowsills in the sunshine. Yes. Um, yeah, it's important for and cats. And we actually put a perch over our air conditioner to function yes. in a similar way, and they love it. <laughs> yeah. So before we had even moved our stuff in, um, my husband, myself, and my dear friend Tani all like as you know we were here and not at the same time like there was a moment where you know i just like sensed a cat like jump up on the windowsill behind me and i turned around even though my cat hadn't been moved into the house and i'm just like oh okay well there's a ghost cat here that's good you know um <laughs> and then you know my husband also like got the sense that a cat ran past him and my friend tani like you know i didn't even mention anything to them and they were just like, uh, you know, you have like a ghost cat, right? And I was like, yeah, I do. How about <laughs> it? Um, I get the sense <laughs> that they're like orange, an orange colored cat. Aww. And um, I get like an M name. I'm thinking like Martin, something to that Aww. effect. <laughs> um, right. And then uh, Martin and Madam seem to get along quite fine, quite well. Mm. So that's also very good. Madam, who is my living cat. <laughs> oh. So sweet. Yeah, it's nice. And like, I've definitely also had Martin like curled up on like in my on my legs, like while I'm sleeping. And I thought it was Madam, but we keep our door closed so she can't wake us up at all hours doing cat things. And mm-hmm. also eating all of the deadly plants that I have hidden away in my bedroom. <laughs> um mm-hmm. But I woke up one time and like there was just this distinct sensation of a curled up cat and like the warmth that comes from that like on my legs. And I just like I was like, hey, Martin, because I didn't want to like disturb Martin or myself. So that was cute. Martin seems pretty chill. Yeah. I mean, if like live cats purring is healing, then like ghost cats. Mm probably have all kinds of interesting healing qualities yeah well for sure (laughs) oh and i also wanted to share it this there's a really short poem by ws merwin actually that is called cat ghosts (laughs) and it's in two parts so part one is years after In a kitchen of another country, you're still hungry. (laughs) 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 Something we can all relate to as cat owners. Um, Mm -hmm. And part two goes, In the heat of the day, your shadow comes back to lie on your stone. So like, really super sweet poem about ghost cats celebrating cats and their impact on our lives even even long after they have left the physical plane yeah very cute i like that a lot that is beautiful and sad but but beautiful yeah it's always it's always sad but i feel like Cats often will live for, you know, close to multiple decades, and it still feels like it just is not enough time. And also cats Mm -hmm. tend to 
um, in my opinion, improve with age. They just like, <laughs> they just become these like all knowing, yes. wise little souls. Little fur wizards. They become yeah. so, <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> they are, they're little fur wizards at that point. <laughs> Yeah, I have had two. I've had like cats when I was younger that obviously I loved, but I was like too little to really comprehend. And then I've had like one cat from like kitten to middle age. And then in my adult life, I have had like two cats. And the first cat, we named her Tuba. She was Boots when, you know, she was given to my husband, but we renamed her to Tuba because she was quite quite plump um (laughs) and um and she was like probably around 16 when i met her and she was just the sweetest like she had her particulars as all cats do but like you know don't pick me up i'll get up on a thing if i want to type of cat you know and 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 she still like had a little bit of feistiness a little bit of playfulness but like mostly just wanted to be sort of next to you and petted but not on you like next to you um, and just like getting to know an elder cat is like so wonderful. And Madam now, she was 10. We've only had her for a year. She was 10 when she was given to us. So we have many years ahead of us. But like even just the difference between like a 10 to 20 year old cat, like what it's such a phenomenal part of their lives. Like everyone loves a kitten, but like you got it. Those elder years are also really rad. Yeah, yeah that's my point. for sure. This That's reminds me all. of <laughs> this. This story reminded me of this really sweet little cat that I I used to for a brief period of time. I did like cleaning, like professional house cleaning with this like prestigious company and like wealthy people's homes. And this one house had uh, this white cat, just like a very like adorable loaf-shaped older white cat and I kept trying to figure out how he could still be like sleeping on the comforter while I'm like vacuuming (laughs) under the bed and like all around him and I'm like you know I'd like get ready to uh, change out the sheets and everything and (laughs) cat would still be just like laying there like the cutest little curled up cat (laughs) just totally completely oblivious to everything and then if I would like sort of like gently pat him awake he (laughs) he would just lay there like he was the biggest (laughs) lump and I always had to pick him up and move him and he was just so docile and adorable. I really wanted to steal their cat. <laughs> he was like, I was like, this is the cat lottery, and y'all have won it. And uh, I figured out later that I'm pretty sure that he was deaf. And there were like portraits of him mm. in the house that they had had done, and they were labeled Patrick. So I think. <laughs> His name was Patrick, <laughs> and he couldn't hear the loud vacuum mm. and stuff. So, like that, that made him like all the more endearing to me. Like he was just the most <laughs> adorable creature. I still think about him and miss him. He reminded me a lot of Elmo, 
um, mm. who was also mm-hmm. like majority white colored and just like the most docile, sweet cat imaginable. Yeah. And uh, he was a very comfy floof. He was really the best. And um, yeah, yeah, they they were like those two cats. They had like kindred souls. <laughs> I felt like the universe put that cat there to make my um, at times very rough cleaning job <laughs> feel a little bit less uh, harsh. We'll say. Well, you know, I forgot to mention, but. When we do clean our kitty cat's litter boxes, there is a uh, parasite which um, oh, no. is present, I believe, <laughs> in uh, cat urine, um, mm-hmm. cat feces, and it um, essentially uh, makes you like the smell of cat pee. <laughs> <laughs> and also, by extension, like cats. And it was tested and it worked on on rats and um what? it would make the rats come back and not be wary around the cats and it would make it easier for the cats to jump out and you know uh, i wonder i wonder if that's the same parasite that if you're pregnant you shouldn't clean cat boxes because it, it could, is like, affect yes, the yeah they did the fetus thing about that Right, right. Oh, I yeah. didn't and, know that. And that... then, like, millions of people even have it. We we have it, but it doesn't affect our health because um, our immune systems are too high. But when you're pregnant, um, pregnant people, their immune systems are not as strong, I believe, right? They're technically, I think. I mean, they're or, just, you know, they're doing double time, double time work. They're there. double time, yeah. so it's a little yeah. harder. But, um,. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it, um, they said also immunocompromised people shouldn't because, yeah, mm. it, it can cause, um, you know, uh, mental issues. It can cause, uh, neurological issues, things like that. But in most people, it will not. But, uh, don't think the cats haven't planned this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that it had like brainwashing properties. Yeah, me it's neither. To kind of like lull you wizard. into a Wait, false security. I know. That's crazy. They're like, come on, come here, smell my pee. You know you want to. <laughs> I for sure have and you that. You can't get enough. I definitely. Yeah, and you're like, gosh. <laughs> I definitely let's have that. Let's talk about birds. Because I. Yeah, let's talk about birds. Oh, Psykia, do you want? Do you got another another cat thing? I don't want to cut you off. Oh. I was just going to say I definitely have that because I like to take the cats and press them against my face. And then also (laughs) I will put the side of the cat's face against my face and rub my like whole face across my cat's like spitty, drooling, horrible face. And then (laughs) (laughs) and I will kiss their little cheeks and stuff. And so Mm. I... (laughs) You're infected, is I'm what you're saying. I for sure am mm-hmm. brainwashed you're one at of this the drones. point. <laughs> yeah. Aren't we it all? Aren't sure. all cat yeah. owners just cat cat oh, controlled yeah. drones? As, as <laughs> well they, we they should be. You know. Yes, absolutely. They have accrued a army. And I mean, look at all the cat memes out on the internet. We worship <laughs> cats. And that's probably why the Egyptians 
uh, regarded them so highly. It wasn't because they were killing the rats. It was because the parasites and because they were killing the rats. And they were killing the rats because of the parasites. So there you go. It all goes back to the parasites. <laughs> circle, circle of life right there. For sure. Yes. This concludes part two of our series celebrating sacred animals. Tune in next time for Bayeeeeeeeeeards. I mean Byards. I mean Bairds. Um. I mean Barts. Ah. I mean Bayeeeeeeeeards. I mean. Birds. Beware and be well. And yeah, I, oh, 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 oh. 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 <laughs> ouch. Well, no, I'm wondering if it's like some sort of karmic resonance. Probably, uh, he probably beat me in the knees with uh, a baseball yeah. bat or something. <laughs> <laughs> he Tanya harding you? Yeah, he did. In your sleep? He did. He had a crowbar in between his teeth, and then as soon as I fell asleep, he's like, hot damn. <laughs> strike! <laughs> I'll strike you down. <laughs> okay.